a Finance Guy podcast, a show for all genders and species about bringing some humanity and a bit of fun to the world of finance and tech and leaving you with a little something that can help you on your way. All right, please enjoy. Thanks. All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Finance Guys and Tech podcast and Finance Guys TV. Uh, today we're back with another remote episode and we're welcoming our good friend, Ms. Shruti Shah. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. Yeah, no, we appreciate you coming on, Shruti. I'll give a quick bio just for a little background on who you are, um, and then we'll jump into it. I'm just going to read this, some stuff I put together from, from your LinkedIn profile, but Shruti is senior finance manager and leads a team of five supporting the data center real estate uh, finance support team in AWS infrastructure. She got her undergrad degree in finance and econ from Singapore Management University. Um, she got her MBA from the Tepper School of Business at Carnegie Mellon University. And before Amazon and before business school, she worked for two and a half years as an analyst at Barclays Capital. She joined Amazon in 2011. So she is definitely a nine-year veteran. She is definitely a, a tenured citizen at this point. And, um, and you joined the Finance Leadership Development Program at a business school, which is the finance rotation for MBA hires. You spent time in supply chain ops, fulfillment by Amazon, uh, where our paths first crossed. Uh, you were in Hardlines, corporate FP&A, right? And then uh, about a year ago, you moved to your current position in AWS, which gets us up to the yeah. present day. That, that's kind of it in a nutshell, right? <laughs> But, yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you something just to kind of kick off the show. We've talked about this before, sort of over tea, that um, you're also, like me, a big fan of heist films, if I'm not mistaken. And I wanted to kind of <laughs> ask you, it, 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 what, is it, what is it about heist films that, that kind of piques your interest? Um, I think it's the smartness of criminals, right? Like, I think it's so easy to follow <laughs> rules, but to actually break the rules, you have to be smarter. And that's what always attracts me in, in heist films, where they're really creative, right? The creative component of it in terms of, um, like, breaking the, it's not exactly breaking the rules, but breaking the rules and getting away with it is kind of just really fantastic. So A, the creativity and like what it takes to actually be that smart. Uh, yeah. And then the fact that you can get away with it, it's just like, what's the, the phrase about uh, eating your cake and having it too? Like getting to keep it as yes. well? Like that's a high skill. Yes. Right? So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It is fun. It's kind of like playing outside getting away with it, being the smartest guy in the room, all that kind of yeah. into the story. And, absolutely. I think you, you hit on it, right? Being the smartest person in the room. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. You, I love that part of that show, those movies. Well, I'm a big fan too, so I had to ask because um, I know we have a shared interest. Um, but uh, going going kind of way back, we kind of we always start at the beginning on this show. Um, Shree, what were you like? As a kid, like, where are you from? What were you like growing up? What did you want to be when you were younger? Wow. Yeah. Oh, my origin stories. I don't think I have gone that far for a while. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, well, I started, uh, I'm originally from India, from western part of India called Gujarat. And within Gujarat, from a very small place called Ankleshwar is what I call my last place. But uh, it's been all over the place in Gujarat. So I grew up in my dad, not because he was in military or anything, but for some reason he had 
what I call now professional ADD has changed a lot of jobs along the way. And so he took, yeah. but he took his family and moved around different cities. And so uh, I don't have like a one place that I call home. I, let's just put India, Western side, Gujarat. So that was fun part of it growing up because it made me make friends. Like you, you change your schools every four years, you make new yeah. friends. But then what I realized is uh, uh, it taught me how to kind of connect with people uh, and sometimes uh, I also look back at how many different people and groups I have. Like I still have friends from my, uh, I should say, what's like a P, uh, piece primary six or something, right? And then I have friends yeah. in Singapore. So anyways, uh, that was my first 15 years. I grew up in India, um, small town girl, like classic small town, uh, <laughs> uh, small from India's perspective. I think Sid comes from a bigger city. <laughs> Yeah. But then after 15, uh, which is around like before high school, we moved to Singapore. So I grew up, uh, I have a lot of memories of Singapore. I'm a Singaporean citizen for those who don't know. And so I spent like about 10 years in Singapore. So from high school, my family immigrated there. Um, and I kind of went for a Singapore Management University, like you pointed out. So to your question on what did I really want to be when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a teacher. I, I still, um, I, my parents still tell me that I would have, I would like play as a teacher. And uh, the funniest story that my parents tell me even right now is I would cry to go to school. So even if there's a Sunday, my dad would have to take me to the school to show that the school's closed. Because oh I was so That's, That's a lot of commitment, Shruti. I, yeah. I don't know. Like, my, my parents still make fun of me. My husband still makes fun of me. Like, I would be one of those kids who would read through all my, like, English textbooks or history books because they're stories to me even before the school has started. And so, I, I it's a classic nerd <laughs> is what my brother tells, calls me right now. Love it. Did you have siblings or were you an only child? Yes. No, I have a younger brother. He's in Singapore as well. Got it. He is, Got it. Yeah. Uh, I'm the nerd one. He's the fun one in the family. It's how describe us. But the first time I, when I joined um, Amazon in 2014, you were like the social chairman of the group, if I'm not mistaken. So you were the fun one, if I remember. Yeah, I think uh, he definitely helped to bring the fun one out of me. Uh, uh, it, it's it's not that I'm antisocial, is how I have to explain to my husband at times. It's just I value my personal time a lot more than the social time. But I mean, yeah. I do I do like meeting new people, right? Right? Like I do like making friends, and um, I, I always treasure relationships. I think my social aspect comes because I love making good connections and making good friends. And I value a good relationship more than anything else. And uh, for me, like one of the leadership principle about untrust comes to that, right? Like you're building a long mm -hmm. relationship. It doesn't mean that you always have to agree with someone. It just right. means that you can have that level of relationship where you can have an honest conversation. So being the social yeah. chair or uh, doing something for the team in some ways, it's like to build those connections. Right on, right on. Let me ask, what kind of put you on the finance trajectory when you chose to go to Singapore um, to the university? Were you interested? Is in, it just sort of you weren't sure? How did you end up in finance? <sighs> 
often ask myself that question about finance. I just always loved math. Like I think uh, math and numbers spoke with like works for me very well. My mom uh, is actually a math major as well, so she had very high bar for my mathematical skills growing up. Yeah. And my dad's an engineer, so kind of like both of them are. Pretty like, like science and math was very important growing up, and I always loved numbers. Uh, there are two parts to the finance story. I come from a very business family, where my um, I, we used. I, I remember when my dad had started a business, uh, like a, actually a capex-heavy chemical industry. Right now that we understand it. And uh, it didn't work out well for him. But I remember that one of the stories where we were talking about, like, we have so much money invested in this thing. Why, why do we have to shut down this business, right? Because it was a very open conversation. And now I reflect back at, on, at it, like, how we think about CapEx and all. And so that the money conversation was part of, like, a family, like, growing up. Uh, yeah. Sid would laugh at it. But in India, I've also come from what we call a banya or what we call the business community. <laughs> and so having business ideas, just talking about it can be a dinner conversation for us. Yeah. So that was the one step. And then going to Singapore, uh, I, I loved economics. I think I studied economics and yeah. uh, it was just fascinating right like at the end of day if you can't like i love just thinking about uh i i had this somewhere uh, i read this somewhere that hey money goes around like money makes the world go round and i wanted to know what makes money go round right and i kind of just uh, like that and the yeah. third one which was being in singapore capitals uh banking capital and everything it just paid really well <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That that was more like a career choice. What made me into banking and all, but uh, finance, number, economics, just love the logical aspect of it as well. Long-winded, long way of telling you how, how did I land up here. No, it makes sense. It kind of checked all the boxes. Sound like your natural skill set, your interest, and it was lucrative enough to kind of attract you. So I get it. Um, what about like coming to Amazon? What was it like at a business school that made you go into tech rather than like Wall Street type of banking or something um, like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, first of all, when I decided to go to Carnegie Mellon, I was already in banking, but the opportunity to grow in sales and it was through those financial crisis. So I'm talking about 2000 six to 2009 between those yeah. years and i just uh did not enjoy the transactional nature of the banking industry at that time and i was on the sales and trading desk so it's not even like i banking where you are thinking about investments you're supporting like it was pure like fx tradings and currency tradings and hedge positions and so it was great money making but really yeah. nothing that i could point my finger at the end of the day and it's like oh i built this or i did this and so um i knew what i didn't want to do when i went to the uh Carnegie Mellon. and to be absolutely transparent i did not apply for amazon's internship position back in 2000 when i was in college uh, uh mba school because uh, i'm like what am i going to do with the tech industry i i i, I like i have no idea and so I did not apply for uh, a CMU's, uh, sorry, uh, Amazon's tech. And I remember that year, 
in my second year, I, uh, so in my first year, I ended up going to BC's logistics because I like operation research and um, that's the whole story to how I ended up there. But I went there, I looked at, uh, we had to do benchmarking on Amazon's operations, cost and everything. When I was in Macy's and I'm like, oh my God, everyone's talking about benchmarking. Amazon, like, okay, this looks like an interesting place. And yeah. then two events happened. Uh, a, as Amazon hired a lot from Carnegie Mellon. There was strong alumni, alumni network and uh, uh, returning summer interns who came back and I, we were, of course, exchanging notes, as you both would know. And they said, actually, you have to give it a shot. It's your kind of place. You will like it. Give it a shot. And I was yeah. like, okay, I'll apply for a full-time job. And uh, I remember this very distinctly because Amazon came on campus at that time for a presentation. And it was still back in those days where... Uh, our current CFHE, Brian Olsowski, 10 years ago, would come on campus to talk about working oh, for Amazon yeah. Finance. Wow. And okay. uh, it, I used to support, uh, I, 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 helped, I was like a recruiting coordinator, basically. Like to, and I remember him asking me and some of the other senior uh, finance leaders at that time, uh, I think Robert Early was one of them as well. He's like, so, uh, my... Uh, did you apply for Amazon's finance inter like finance internship? I'm like, uh, no, I didn't apply. And they, they grilled me, like, why not? And it, I felt really say like I just didn't think what I would do there. So I, yeah. it, it kind of like, that's my origin story of what brought me to Amazon. It was not like a very smart career move or the foresight of saying Amazon is going to be a big company someday. I should be there. It's more like yeah. my... Uh, alumni and my friends and these senior alumni, uh, I think one of them um, uh, is in uh, Amazon uh, Whole Foods and the delivery there. And, and we still connect. And I often attribute my being at Amazon to all my network. They're like, you will be a good fit. You should really go there. And they were right. Yeah. I didn't know myself yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. And now you can hear your thoughts. And Shruti, you know, you have seen uh, like uh, actually nine years of finance actually evolving at Amazon. So what are your observations? You know, like, you know, I think uh, the team has become massive since the time you joined, you know. So any take on that? No, absolutely. The first point, it's massive teams, right? Like I, every role that I look back and I'm like, okay, what do you do? And it, it's like a 40 people team right now to do what I used to do like nine years ago. And mm. Uh, so the growth is just sometimes like numbs you down because you're so used to hearing growth everywhere. And then you just kind of look at it like, oh, yeah, it's normal. But it's just mind blowing to hear like what you used to do as a single senior analyst is now like a 40 people team. And uh, like. Just for example, I used to be on supply chain finance, right? Mm -hmm. I used to do uh, optimization of network. There was no such thing as optimization of network. I remember doing like, uh, how would you think about fulfillment centers as a network and what, what would lower the ship cost just because now you can, you don't have to place inventory in every FC. You have to place it in a cluster, right? And all those things. And you have to do Excel models on that. Like what would the unit cost look like? And now there is an entire software that does that, which is what we call yeah. smart finance. And then inventory placement, what should be the optimal level? What should be the unit cost? And all that has been fully automated. So it's scale. I think uh, the finance job has become harder every day. 
because the easy answers are now automated, of course. So now it's no, no longer like running just an NPV analysis, but like, how do I think about this? And both of you are in those roles as well, right? Like, it's not just doing the NPV analysis because we have done that so many times. It's like, what are yeah. the right things to think about? And so even your, I, I can imagine, even at our level, the decisions and the information we are using is so much more uh, harder than what it used to be nine years ago, right? Because it's, we're no longer asking easy questions. So mm. continue to raise the bar on finance, how we think about it. Uh, and it's no, it's no longer a black and white space, right? It's a lot of ambiguity. So Yeah. What's something that's made you um, successful over the past nine years? Like, what are some like traits or like your approach that that you know would make somebody a good um, a good finance partner at Amazon? Uh, I I think I, I first of all I'm glad to hear I'm successful because I, I there's uh, just because you've stayed longer is not equivalent to be successful somewhere. But I feel like. Uh, uh, been able to enjoy the job and getting the roles uh, that I have been able to do is uh, in some ways my measure of success, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And so kind of what has helped me, uh, it may sound like a cliche approach of kind of going back to leadership principles at times, but that's how ingrained I've been with Amazon now for nine years here. But I'll, I'll go back to the first point. We talked a little bit about building relationships, right? Uh, building a good relationship is kind of like a uh, first part of it. Um, I still keep in touch with uh, my old managers and old friends and kind of just uh, going above and beyond to keep up those relationships. And it doesn't mean that, uh, like I said, I've always agreed with my business partners. Sometimes uh, I said no so that I can get very excited when I get into a debate, but it just means that we are talking about ideas and being honest and keeping them, holding everyone to a higher standard, so building good relationships. Which is um, the other piece, which I think, uh, I personally think has helped me a lot is I don't shy away from a role just because it sounds boring on paper. Uh, and a lot of it is, uh, I'll take this AWS infrastructure role as an example where I, I started, it was like, yeah, just real estate and shell construction, budgeting, car approval and processes, right? Like thinking about those very basic bread and butter type of job. But at that time I was trying to come from corporate FPLA to this role where I had no idea about AWS infrastructure. So I wasn't, I did not hesitate to take that small role with kind of learning and just understanding the basic fundamentals of AWS infrastructure, right? So uh, I, I did the same thing when I went from uh, my .com side to corporate FPNA, where it's like, uh, it's a corporate FPNA job, not the sexiest place. Like a lot of people doesn't think that FPNA is fun, but I stayed there for three years and fun stories from there as well. But it, it's that thought process where I'm, I'm willing to take that small role because yeah. it helps me learn some skill sets. So it kind of comes to learn and be curious um, and help me build certain skill sets. So rather than just thinking about what, what my next path is, I kind of learn and be curious, untrust. And you can, um, uh, I think those two are the ma main reasons because of those relationships. I have always had good referrals. When I went for a job, it has been very 
easy. Like Gretchen and I were connected because I used to work with Pankaj on corporate FPNA side, and Pankaj introduced me to Gretchen. And um, oh, when I came okay. to this role, Eugene Choi was the hiring manager, and Gretchen, Gretchen didn't know me much, but Eugene had known me when I was an FBA, uh, yeah. by Amazon. And so he's like, oh, yeah, I've worked with you in Hardlines days, and I, I know your portfolio of work. Um, just talk to these people, right? And so yeah. um, it became like an organic process for me, and clearly, like, uh, having a transparent conversation, like, hey, this role has these challenges, it can grow in this way. You have to learn to uh, accept that kind of limitation that's a L7 role, but comes with a smaller scope right now. And I was like, yeah, though that's that, these are my criteria, right? And mm, okay. um, uh, so kind of like building on that untrust, bringing that learn and be curious piece um, helps me out a lot. And I wanted to ask a small question in this, you know, like, uh, so that the, our viewers know, you know, like, um, how varied roles you can do. So, Shruti, in the last nine years, how many roles have you done at Amazon? So this is my fifth role. My first oh, okay. role was in supply chain finance, worldwide operations, what we call right now. Um, then my second role was fulfillment by Amazon. Uh, back then, it was part of third-party business, so within .com. Uh, now it's integrated with worldwide operations. Uh, my third role was in uh, hardline finance, which we call classic PL role. Uh, my fourth role was in corporate FPNA, uh, which was more like a stakeholder management relationship and uh, automation and all. It was a lot of different things in into one role. And this is my fifth role, which has also has two versions of it because I started with real estate construction. And now I have energy, AWS, sustainability initiative. So I feel like I'm already on my sixth role within. <laughs> uh, and then I like a DC supply, not just doing the CapEx planning and everything, but DC supply piece. So those, those are my roles. Right on. Um, I want to ask you a couple of things. I'm just keeping an eye on, on the, the time that we have allotted. And I want to make sure we get to some of our, our most important questions. Um, but uh, what's like outside of work? How do you think about the term work-life balance? Because you've been here for nine years. You obviously have a, a good enough relationship with Amazon. How do you approach that kind of, that, that term work-life harmony or whatever you call it? Uh, I'm very protective about my vacation times. I usually exhaust all of them, like three to four weeks. I exhaust all of them. I do not take my laptop with me unless there was a reason something is expected. And I would uh, kind of say, okay, I will be available. Uh, mm -hmm. And this is not not right now. I'm not talking about when right now you can say, oh, yeah, I have a team and I can my team can take care of it. Like even before that, I used to be very uh, protective about my vacation time. Uh, that yeah. doesn't mean I've not responded to someone's text at all. I have definitely done that. Uh, so being protective about my vacation times, taking them um, and on a day to day basis. Right. Like if I have worked a long night, for example, I the, a month ago, I was in back-to-back -back renewable energy strategy uh, work, which pretty much burning through almost entire weekends and all. Yes, did that work, put in, put, gave it all. But then as soon as it was done, I took a day off, though in this COVID situation, can't do much, to say, I'm just going to sit back at home. Uh, I love cooking, so I cooked something fabulous meal. And I love gardening, planted some something in the backyard take some books. I always have Kindle next to me. Even right now, 
between these back-to-back meetings, if I find 10 minutes of break, mm-hmm. I'll just step back from my computer, read a short story or something. I don't read serious stuff, to be honest. I read fictions. Um, okay. And so being very mindful about it, like it takes time to say no. Like I remember getting text last year during OP1, uh, it was surely pinging me that, hey, uh, we have this urgent question on OP1, Gretchen, nobody's available. Are you available to jump on call? And I'm like, sorry, I'm on vacation. I can't jump on call right now. But yeah. uh, uh, if nobody responds to you within next one hour, I can jump on call. And thankfully, uh, the leadership is very supportive. I have to say, because I remember Kozum's response on that was like, hey, no, I did not know you were on vacation. Really sorry. It's not that urgent. We will figure out some way out, right? And so uh, I, I think leadership respects those boundaries, you have to set them yourselves. And I've seen that Kozum is one example because you're familiar with him, but I've seen that across all the different roles I have done. Makes sense. Makes sense. Sure, I tell them I'm running five minutes late at least. Oh, okay. We'll we'll get we'll get to the last the last part here if that's okay. The, what we, yes. we like to usually close on is um, do you have any like tips like your general like philosophy, your approach to life, not just work, but also just the whole the whole big picture here. Like, what would you what would you impart to people as sort of your um, yeah, uh, your your life philosophy? My life, I have really not given it the serious thought. Um. Here's one. I imagine what's the worst case situation that can happen. Like, don't take things too seriously, right? What's the worst case scenario? Think about the biggest presentations you have gone through. The worst case scenario is somebody's going to find a mistake or ask something in the model. They're not going, what's the worst case? Like, you know? Um, yeah. And it gives you perspective at times. Uh, I, I think Andrew Wilson, which you both know, uh, but for the audience, Andrew is my counterpart and Sid and Charles are on his team as well. Uh, he said he shared this really amazing perspective recently on COVID-19 where he said, hey, we are all thinking about how stressed we are because this COVID-19 is happening. And he shared this amazing thought, like what's the worst that could have happened? Like, you know, you could you'd be out of jobs, et cetera, et cetera, and some really dark stuff. Um, and so just be grateful uh, because every time I imagine when I get too stressed out, I think that's one of the underlying questions. When I get too stressed out, either life or some personal matters at work, the worst case scenario is not as bad I have made it out in my mind, right? And I'm, I kind of step back and be grateful for the friends and the family I have. And to me, yeah. um, those are the most important things. Like you can see, my underlying theme, I'm a very relationship person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... in. I just kind of think those intangibles are what lasts you for a lifetime. So don't get too hung up on, oh my God, my presentation went bad. It happens. Yeah, I think that's very good advice, yeah. Perspective. Good perspective, yeah. Correct. Well, I think that that's a great place for us to end the conversation on. And just thanks again, Trudy, for taking the time to chat with us on the show today. Yes. Yeah, no, thanks, uh, thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, and I uh, really appreciate you having me and asking me some questions that I haven't had thought of for a really long time. <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Yo, what up, everybody? Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. Feel free to leave a rating, review, what have you. But most of all, go have a fantastical day. Okay, we'll see you soon. Goodbye.